Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. With each episode, our diverse and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention, together, to breathe, to reflect, and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice that we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Southwestern Advantage is about so much more than just helping your family with education. Our company is the nation's oldest entrepreneurial program, helping college and university students build character and develop the skills they need to achieve their goals in life. These are the kind of skills employers seek that cannot be taught in a classroom. Skills such as problem solving, effective personal communication with people from all walks of life, confidence, attitude, goal setting, and more. Since 1855, the Southwestern Family of Companies has invested in purpose-driven people who are inspired to build principle-guided businesses that impact the world. And for many, that purpose started with a summer at Southwestern Advantage. But this program isn't just about growing the young men and women whom you'll see in the community. It's also about growing your own son or daughter, and the educational resources they will bring to your home are second to none, with learning systems that address the whole child from preschool to 12th grade. Uniquely designed by top educators, these resources serve the modern needs of today's private, public, and homeschooled students. They're kid-approved, parent-preferred, and teacher-recommended. At Southwestern Advantage and the Southwestern Family of Companies, we invest in building people and inspire them to achieve their goals in life to positively impact the world. Learn more at southwesternadvantage.com slash action. This is Adam Outland for the Action Catalyst, and today's guest hardly needs an introduction. He's the co-owner and co-founder of Magnolia, a company he runs with his wife, Joanna, which has grown to include signature products and home decor to real estate construction, and now its own television network. You've seen him on HGTV's Fixer Upper and seen his books on the top of the New York Times bestseller list. But long before any of that, Chip Gaines was selling books door to door and hustling just like every other up-and-coming entrepreneur. So, Chip. Addy. Yeah, Chip, great to great to finally meet. I think uh, it was kind of a funny, common connection just getting started. I'm listening to NPR, some interview, and I hear about somebody having done this crazy college summer job that involved large educational tomes <laughs> and a lot of door knocking. And that was part of my background as well. So I, I felt compelled to start our conversation there because I heard that you you got uh, School of Hard Knocks as part of your your story too. That is a fact. Yes, I was at Baylor University and a handsome young upper grad came and approached me in this amazing way that, you know, is only only I could do because I was a bit, well, I still am a bit of a arrogant, you know, self-confident fella. And so I was like, oh man, this kid's just picked me out of the litter. You know, I'm going to do great things with this kid. And boy, I mean, he had this beautiful shirt and a Mont Blanc pin in his shirt. And I had never seen anything like this, you know, and my, most of my college friends were, if you were like me wearing overalls and boots and, you know, out fishing and was just a total idiot who, you know, thought about school about two times a week and thought about everything but school about a hundred times a week. But this kid, his name was Sterling. Even his name sounds cool. I'm surprised I remember it, but he was a sharp looking young man, came and told me about the possibilities. And I mean, I was I was hook, line and sinker. So I was like their prime candidate. 
Well, this becomes a theme for you. It, it, funny recruitment story. You go in, you end up selling books, and then fast forward, you end up neighborhood laundromat, lawn mowing service. So entrepreneurship, <laughs> to some degree, I think ran in your blood. But how do you get sparked to go do these things? What, how, did, how does your brain process that decision and go, hey, that sounds like a great way to spend my costs? <laughs> No doubt. I think my parents kind of, when you think about like a perfect storm, my parents had a lot to do with that evolution. You know, I think I was a lot of it, you know, it's kind of the nature nurture argument, you know, was I born this way and it was going to happen one way or the other, or was I nurtured into it? And and my parents had so much to do with it. So the bottom line, I I honestly, even as a grown adult that is a uh, got quite the mileage under his belt and done lots and lots of things. The thing that I I'm so thankful about it as it relates to my life is just the fullness of it. You know, as a 50-year-old guy here in a couple of years, I think about this often, really, now that you're getting into this kind of halfway point, maybe the 50-yard line of your life, you're just like, man, what was it all about? And what was it all for? And what was the purpose of all of that? I have lived multiple lives, but to try and answer your question, it's like, I I was built different. You know, my parents thought I was going to be a pastor when I was a kid and and then I got into gambling as a as a college student. So they were like, maybe not, you know, maybe, maybe the unless there was a gamble, you know, uh, you know, a riverboat pastor, you know, if that's a thing, I may have qualified first. <laughs> if that was a possible, if that's a possible career path, maybe I could have done that. But, you know, my I, mean, I was just different. You know, I would answer the door when I was a little kid. My mom said I'd always run and look for money. And it was somebody trying to sell a candy bar or something. So I've always had kind of this sympathetic, empathetic, kind of a big heart. And so I was always looking to help people in that sense. But then when you flip the script, and now I'm the person knocking on the door, I was built for that kind of thing. You know, I mean, I I grew up in in a in a pretty normal suburban Dallas, Fort Worth kind of suburbs uh, neighborhood, but I was always selling, you know, lemonade at some local you know, lemonade stand. My sister and I were constantly mowing grass around the neighborhood. And so we were always kind of starting these little quasi businesses, even as young kids. And so uh, when Sterling tapped me on the shoulder and asked me if I wanted to sell books for the summer, I really did. I mean, most kids kind of shy away from that thought. I swear to you, I was drawn to it like a moth to the flame. And then really God kind of opened the door multiple ways. I went to my parents that you know, back to my point about them being a kind of a catch 22, they were very normal and and somewhat entrepreneurial, but not just crazy entrepreneurs. Dad worked for American Airlines up in the Dallas Fort Worth area. So he was in a traditional corporate job. And my mom was was either a stay at home mom, a portion of my life or worked at a, a, a company. Ironically, this has a little tie to Southwestern's roots, but a company called Word Incorporated that started in Waco of all places. So of course, I wasn't from Waco, didn't live in Waco, has never thought I'd live in Waco, but Waco for sure is my hometown now. I've, I've all five of my children have been born here. And there was a real entrepreneur guy back in the late 60s, kind of early 70s that started this company called Word Incorporated that ended up being basically a big time book and, and record label back in the 80s and 90s. And still even today, I think they've been bought several times since then. But you know, when I went to tell my parents about this experience, uh, experience that I had with Sterling was like, man, this kid was a- incredible. and was telling me there's all this opportunity to make all this money. You know, what do you think? And instead of my parents being wildly skeptical, they yeah. had a few people that they each knew. My dad knew a few folks at American Airlines and my mom knew a few guys at 
at Word that had both had experiences through Southwestern. And, and they both came back and were like, we think you should do this. We think this is going to be great. And so the light bulb went off. And uh, again, I was shipped off to uh, Michigan and uh, it was like uh, it was like I was built to uh, to do this. You know, I love it. A uh, cu- couple of anecdotes. And this will kind of lead to a, another question. Uh, I heard Larry Wilmore uh, being interviewed on NPR and he's part of the Bernie Mac show, was on the Daily Show with Jon Stewart and all this. And then he starts opening up about how he knocked on doors selling educational books as a fundamental part of his career. <laughs> and so you hear all these different people. And and I remember talking to an athlete, uh, an NFL athlete who said everybody who's found some success in his opinion has a farm story. And what he meant by that was a story of like getting up super early on the farm, working the countless hours and just being instilled with that work ethic. And sure. while I think you could say the summer work you did was part of that, I think you'd say you you literally, it sounded like spent some time on a farm. <laughs> That's, That's true. That's true. Now, I, do, I always try to clarify, we live on a farm now and my yes. kids will have the experience that that we're sort of describing. When I was a kid, it couldn't have been more traditional. Literally a cul-de-sac neighborhood, a uh, little town called Colleyville, Texas, and mm-hmm. and uh, it's evolved into kind of quite the metropolis in current day. But back in my day, you know, there's just a quiet, sleepy, middle class, little suburban town, right? Flat dab in between Dallas and Fort Worth. So very normal, very traditional in that sense. But, and this is the point that you're kind of scratching on, my parents both grew up in a little tiny town called Archer City, Texas, which is just outside of Wichita Falls, Texas. So Waco and Wichita Falls have just tons and tons in common in the sense that to me, because I grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Waco feels like a small town. But when you are born and raised in Waco, and you have lots of small towns around you, those small towns look at Waco as the big town. The big That's city, right. You know? Oh, and yeah. So my parents were brought up in a very rural, very small town. I mean, 15, 1600 people, I think, is the total population of Archer City, Texas. And so there they lived in that environment. And my parents were the typical couple that, boy, they graduated from high school and could not wait to get out of that ecosystem. Well, mm-hmm. then they have a son Chip Carter Gaines, born in 1974, who didn't know it. Of course, I was just a baby in 1974. I didn't, you know, the world was my oyster. Uh, but my parents introduced me to that Archer City ecosystem when I was probably, gosh, I mean, early. You know, obviously, we'd go home and see family and Christmas and Thanksgiving. So again, I was a young man. But I'm telling you, when I was six, seven, eight years old, I remember it vividly like, wait, what? this exists? Like, this is a life? You could live here? What are my parents doing in Dallas-Fort Worth? You know, this is the most (laughs) incredible place I'd ever seen. So, I mean, they got to where they would drop me off, obviously, when I got older. So, at the beginning, it was just weeks at a time and and a week here, a week there, and that was it. But when I got to be probably a freshman, sophomore in high school, I would ask my parents to let me stay the entire summer in Archer City with my uh, granddad, who was J.B., if you happen to have any relatives that are so cool that you don't call him granddad or pappy or anything like that. I mean, his name was JB at, at the gas station. He was JB at the bank and he was JB to his act, his own family, you know, around the Thanksgiving table. JB, would you uh, pass the mashed potatoes? And me and JB, boy, he taught me the ways of, of being a cowboy. And you want to talk about it, it was like hanging out with the Marlboro man. You know, it was like James Dean. And the Marlboro man had a baby. It would have been J.B. Mogg, my granddad. And I mean, just the coolest, baddest dude in the literal world. 
And I and that got deep in my blood. And the irony that that I keep talking about with the nature versus nurture, it's like, you know, it's like it, it was just part of who my parents were. And they were excited to get out of that environment and kind of move on and and do the next, you know, stages of their life and their uh, evolution where here I was wanting to revert back to where they came from. And so uh, as soon as I was old enough to basically make choices and have money and do things that I wanted to do. I mean, I bought a little acreage here in Waco, Texas. I had a little 10 acre piece of dirt and a couple of cows. And I mean, it was just fascinating how I was very adamant about sort of trying to live out that piece of uh, my parents' uh, uh, background and, and where they had come from. I actually sold books in Archer City, Texas. No, you didn't. I think I talked how, to all how, 10 families. <laughs> the fact you sold books in Archer City, Texas, man. Did it go well? I mean, welcoming community or not so much? 100% wel- welcoming. Oh, great. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, everybody invited me in for tea at the very least. And uh, a lot of great <laughs> conversations. A lot of people care about education. I mean, it was, yeah, it was great. So that's incredible. What a small world, dude. I had no idea. That's amazing. Well, my parents are from that neck of the woods and I have uh, fought like heck trying to pretend like I was also. But, you know, (laughs) I was sort of sort of adopted into it, if you will, as opposed to born and raised like my mom and dad were. I see where that migrates in directly to what you do and have now and and part of uh, what you've created for yourself. I couldn't agree more. And Southwestern experience knocking on doors in that literal sense kind of became that wake up moment. Can you do this? Can you work harder than the guy or the gal standing next to you? And thankfully, I mean, thankfully for me, the answer really became a resounding yes. At the end of the day, all the greats have had to do something different, something that somebody else wasn't quote unquote willing to do. And we all want to throw rocks at them. And and I don't mean to say this in a facetious way, but it's easier for us to say they got lucky or this break or that break. And of course, lo- luck has some part of it and, and breaks fall for all of us positively and negatively. But I mean, those folks that are born to wake up and born to do that hard work and that grueling, you know, I can literally think of a dairy farmer out there, you know, half awake trying to figure out how many of these uh, barrels of milk they're going to fill up before they got to run to school and do the rest of their day. I mean, you know, when you think about those kind of somewhat odd or possibly romantic thoughts as it relates to work, you know, it does wake something up in some of us. And when that thing is woken up, it becomes like a grizzly bear, you know, who who wants to go and and do great things, you know. And I guess once you kind of get inundated with that or or once the invitation of that idea has been kind of presented to you, it's fascinating to watch those of us that wake up from it and then those of us who who are kind of nonchalant and are like, I don't really want to be a grizzly bear. I don't really want to wake up early. I don't want to take a cold shower. I don't want to be at the first store at eight o'clock in the morning. So that's a fascinating thought that all of us have that farm story and how that looks different to each of us, you know? So important. You mentioned the word luck. Someone had had shared with me a great acronym for the word luck, that it stands for labor under correct knowledge. When you're working hard, you tend to get lucky a little bit more often. Sure. And I think, you know, maybe some of that applies because I can't help but uh, admire that part of what you've and Joanna managed to accomplish requires an extraordinary amount of work. And, you know, I see a a glimpse of it when you're hammering out a wall on television. And that's just a a speck in the myriad of businesses that you run. Um, You know, you're juggling an incredible family with uh, project after project. You're, You're saying yes a lot when people bring things to you in the beginning, right? And and it all started with Fixer Upper. So I 
you know, your your work ethic, I feel like it has to have played a, a massive part of what you've built and the legacy you're creating. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about was actually um, something that I think, from my perspective, has has helped you as well, which is your um, incredible sense of humor. Yeah, these are all great questions. I, I've been scratching at these. You know, I started thinking, where did I get a personality like this? What what makes me me? And, you know, Joe and I wrestle with this a lot. What we've landed on, and very generally speaking, not any uh, secrets to the universe, but but basically we're all bits and pieces of people who have come before us. I think that's why these DNA tests have become so popular because everybody wants to know, where did I come from? What makes me me? Why am I different? My beautiful wife is half Korean, so she's got a very clear path to a full Korean mom and a full Korean grandmother that we can touch and we can talk to and they can talk to us. You know, it's it's a little easier for for those of us on the other side of that spectrum, it's like, yeah, I think I've got some German in me. I think my parents once upon a time said there was something about French Canadians in their background. You know, what, what does any of this mean? So all this to say, it's just like this idea that we come from little bits and pieces of all these people that preceded us. And this is sort of a kind of a sad, somewhat personal story. But my dad grew up in this little town called Archer City. Yeah. My mom grew up in this great family. Her dad was JB, who was this mentor legend, like a bona fide. When I think of JB, a real heroic individual kind of pops into my mind. When my dad's dad comes into mind, my dad like refused to talk about him as a kid and not in a real bitter, angry kind of way. He just was like, don't ask, don't tell. We learned really quickly, like, don't talk about dad and his upbringing. Well, his dad turns out, and sorry if uh, if I'm letting a cat out of the bag, uh, Pops, I, I don't want this to be on a newspaper somewhere. And you'd be like, well, you know, we should have talked about this in advance. But breaking news, breaking story, my dad's dad was a real scoundrel. He was basically a con man. He was just a bad, bad character. And so when my dad was a young man, all he remembered about this guy was that he would come and go in and out of their lives. And he would come in and out in these seasons of kind of desperation. So the dad would basically come back to the family and be like, okay, you know, I've had enough. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I promise this time it's going to be different. And he would sell my family, my dad, his brother, and obviously my dad's mom, who's an angel. So she's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, but this bill of goods. And then the, these bill of goods always fell apart. You know, he would get back into his old ways. He would get run out of town. But he was a bona fide, he would write bounce checks, he was a con man, he was all these negative things. So as we have fast forwarded now, my dad has gone to a few kind of that side of the family funerals as of late, and he's yeah. learned so much not only about his dad that he never knew, but also about his dad's mom and dad that he never met, never knew anything about his grandparents. And it just turns out that this guy actually was like, quite a character like in high school was kind of like most likely to succeed and was going to go off and become you know an actor or somebody that you know you know maybe maybe wrote in the local newspaper because he just had this vivid imagination and all these great things and obviously life somehow we still haven't gotten all the facts but somehow turned my dad's dad in in a real sour sad unfortunate direction but 
when dad and I joke about it now that dad's gotten a little more confidence in, in his ability to kind of communicate, what if there were some good things about this man? Life just kind of turned him inside out and upside down. And so as I think about where did this come from, I, I have a pretty strong suspicion that my ability, you know, because when you think about it, it's kind of like the argument that there's a thin line that separates a genius from an insane person. You know, maybe the same argument could be had about a great salesman that's actually honorable and, and, you know, full of integrity and happens to do a great job of selling a great product from that thin line that probably separates somebody like maybe a Bernie Madoff that ends up finding himself in this terrible predicament to where he's created this huge, enormous lie and he's he's the mastermind behind this terrible Ponzi scheme, you know? Or was he a great salesman that that somehow lost his way in that in that process? So anyway, without going into in, into too many rabbit trails, the the bottom line is I definitely have always been different. I've always cared about people. I've always had this great kind of uh, sense of sympathy or empathy. But I've also been very fearless in the sense that when I was a kid, I remember thinking in lunch, wouldn't it be funny if I stood up and and made this proclamation or if I stood up and, and sang this song and see if I could get the whole elementary lunch to kind of sing along with me. And there's sort of dozens of these quote unquote chip stories kind of in my wake that, that you know, I'm proud of in some ways, but, but it definitely was this idea that my parents gave me such an, me and my sister both, such an incredible chance, you know, such a great start in the sense that they were both incredible p- people. They were great parents to my sister and I. They were people of faith. So they introduced us in into our relationship with God and and how we view him even today, you know, as a as a as a as a middle-aged adult. And but but when I think back about my dad's dad, sometimes I get a little smile on myself uh, on my face thinking, you know, I bet some of my kind of wily kind of rambunctious, <laughs> kind of crazy personality probably came from something in that DNA pool. But because I was I was fostered in such a healthy way, maybe yeah. opposite of the way that potentially life fostered him, you know, I landed in this really great green pasture to where I love to create opportunities. I love to build businesses. I love my wife. I love my kids. I mean, I'm kind of sold out in just about every category you could be sold out in. But bottom line, you know, I don't do it in this crummy, you know, uh, materialistic. Right. Yeah, exactly. Kind of way. It's not like, you know, people say, you know, when is enough enough? And for us, it's never been about, you know, enough is it has nothing to do with it. You know, I it's just opportunities and experiences and the next step that I feel like the next door that God opens, Joe and I are anxious to kind of burst through that door and kind of see what's on the other side. But and so but when you think about family and business and faith and all these things kind of piece together, I, I do remember as a young kid kind of looking at the world and realizing I certainly was different. You know, I was different than most of the kids I grew up with and not necessarily in a positive or a negative, but I just was, was anxious to kind of step out and take chances and, and risk and fail and all the things that you hear about in some contexts like that. And I, I can only assume that probably comes from that side of the family. Yeah. I I love it. Chip and I will continue our talk in episode 418 of the Action Catalyst. So join us then to keep listening. And don't forget to follow the Action Catalyst wherever you listen to podcasts to get new episodes, bonus episodes, and more the minute they drop. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. 
And to stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and on Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. And thanks for listening.